Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pally. Welcome to this special omnibus edition of Journey with Story. And in this special omnibus episode, you can listen to all four stories for this month, one after the other. And just so you know, there will be no special intro for the individual stories, no added details and no shout-outs. If you want to hear all of those, then you need to go and listen to the individual episode and not this version. Got it? Oh, mums and dads and grown-ups, you can download some free colouring sheets at www.journeywithstory.com. Thanks again to all of our listeners from all around the world who keep sending us your drawings and your letters. So many of you wonderful mums and teachers tell us how much your little ones are enjoying the stories they hear on our podcast. We love to hear that. And if you have not already rated or reviewed this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you took a moment to do that as it really helps our outreach. Thanks ever so much. And... Thanks to all of you who have been entering our contest for a Zoom author's visit to your classroom. We will be announcing the winner very soon. Let's take an omnibus journey with story. Let's take a journey with The Scrobius Pip by Edward Lear. The scrobious pip went out one day when the grass was green and the sky was grey. Then all the beasts in the world came round when the scrobious pip sat down on the ground. The cat and the dog and the kangaroo, the sheep and the cow and the guinea pig too, the wolf he howled, the horse he neighed, the little pig squeaked, and the donkey brayed. And when the line began to roar, there never was heard such a noise before. And every beast, he stood on the tip of his toes, to look at the scrobious pip. At last they said to the fox, By far you're the wisest beast, you know you are. Go close to the scrobious pip and say, Tell us all about yourself, we pray, For as yet we can't make out in the least If you're fish, or insect, or bird, or beast. The scrobious pip looked vaguely round and sang these words with a, a rumbling sound. Chippity flip, flippity chip, my only name is the scrobious pip. The scrobious pip from the top of a tree saw the distant jelly bully, and all the birds in the world came there 
flying in crowds all through the air. The vulture and eagle, the cock and the hen, the ostrich, the turkey, the snipe and the wren. The parrot chattered, the blackbird sung, and the owl looked wise, but held his tongue. And when the peacock began to scream, the hullabaloo was quite extreme. And every bird, he fluttered the tip of his wing as he stared at the scroobious pip. At last they said to the owl, By far you're the wisest bird, you know you are. Fly close to the scroobious pip and say, Explain all about yourself, we pray, For as yet we've neither seen nor heard If you're fish or insect, beast or bird. The scroobious pip looked gaily round And sang these words with a chirpy sound. My only name is the Scroobius Pip. The Scroobius Pip went into the sea by the beautiful shore of the Jelly Bully. All the fish in the world swam round with a splashy, squashy, splattery sound. The sprat, the herring, the turbot, too. The shark, the sole, the mackerel blue. The flounder sputtered. The cuttlefish huffed. The lovable, fluffable puffer fish puffed. And when the whale began to spout, they gave a redoubling, bubbling shout. And every fish, he shook the tip of his tail as he gazed on the scroobious pip. At last they said to the whale, By far you're the biggest fish, you know you are. Swim close to the scroobious pip and say, Tell us all about yourself, we pray, for to know from yourself is our only wish. Are you beast or insect, bird or fish? The scroobious pip looked softly round and sang these words with a liquid sound. Pliffity flip, pliffity flip, my only name is the scroobious pip. The scroobious pip sat under a tree by the silent shores of the jelly bully. All the insects in all the world about the scroobious pip and world. Cicadas and beetles with purple eyes, gnats and buzz-talential flies, grasshoppers, butterflies, spiders too. Wasps and bees and dragonflies blue. 
and when the gnats began to hum, the firmament bounced like a dismal drum, and every insect curled the tip of his snout as he looked at the scroobious pip. At last they said to the ant, By far you're the wisest insect, you know you are. Creep close to the scroobious pip and say, Tell us all about yourself, we pray, for we can't find out and we can't tell why. If you're beast or fish or a bird or a fly, the scroobious pip turned quickly round and sang these words with a whistly sound. Whizzippy whip, whizzippy whip. My only name is the scroobious pip. And all the beasts that walk on the ground danced in a circle round and round. And all the birds that fly in the air flew round and round in a circle there. And all the fish in the jelly bully swam in a circle about the sea. And all the insects that creep or go buzzed in a circle to and fro. And they roared and sang and whistled and cried till the noise was heard from side to side. Chippity-tip, chippity-tip, its only name is the Scroobius Pip. Let's take a journey with Thunder and Anansi. There had been a long and severe famine in the land where Anansi lived. He had been quite unable to obtain food for his poor wife and family. One day, gazing desperately out to sea, he saw, arising from the midst of the water, a tiny island with a tall palm tree upon it. He decided to try and reach this tree by any means possible and climb it in the hope of finding a few nuts to reward him. But how to get there was the difficulty. However, when he reached the beach, he found his answer, for there he discovered an old broken boat. It certainly did not look very strong, but still Anansi thought he would try his luck. His first six attempts were unsuccessful. A great wave dashed him back on the beach each time he tried to pull off into the water. But Anansi persevered. He did not give up. And finally, on his seventh attempt, he succeeded in setting off into the water. When he reached the palm tree, he tied the boat to its trunk that grew almost straight out of the water and then he climbed up, up, up toward the nuts. Plucking all he could reach, he dropped them one by one down into the boat. To his dismay, everyone missed the boat and fell instead into the water until only the last one remained. 
This he aimed even more carefully than the others. But it also fell into the water and disappeared from his hungry eyes. He had not tasted even one, and now they were all gone. He could not bear the thought of going home empty-handed, so in his despair he threw himself into the water too. To his complete astonishment, instead of being drowned, he found himself standing on the sea bottom in front of a, a pretty little cottage. An old man stepped out of the door and asked Anansi what he wanted so badly that he had to come to Thunder's cottage to seek it. Anansi told his tale of woe, and Thunder listened, nodding and smiling and saying how sorry he was to hear of all Anansi's troubles. Then he went back into the cottage and fetched a fine cooking pot, which she presented to Anansi, saying, Now you need never be hungry again, for this pot is a magic pot and will always give you enough food to feed you and all your family. And Nancy could barely believe his good fortune and he thanked the old man profusely before setting off for home. Once inside the boat, and Nancy could not wait to try out this magic pot. Pot, pot, what you used to do for your master? Do now, for me. And lo and behold, a huge feast appeared before him, and Nancy gobbled it all up, and then set off for his home. On reaching land again, his first thought was to run home and give all his family a good meal from his wonderful pot. But then, some sliver of fear and doubt crept over him. What if I should use up all the magic of the pot on them? and have nothing more left for myself, he said. Better keep the pot a secret. Then I can enjoy a meal when I want one. And so, when Anansi reached his house, he sneaked in the back door and hid the pot in his room before anyone could see it. Then he pretended to his wife and children that he was completely worn out from his long journey and would need to rest. Now, there was not a grain of food to be had anywhere. His wife and poor children were weak with want of it, but selfish Anansi took no notice of that. Instead... He congratulated himself at the thought of his magic pot, now safely hidden in his room. From then on, Anansi just crept into his room whenever he was hungry and enjoyed a tasty meal. Meanwhile, his poor family got thinner and thinner, while he grew plumper and plumper. After a while, his family began to suspect 
that something was not right, and they determined to find out what was going on. Now, the eldest son, Kweku Sin, had the power of changing himself into any shape he chose. So, he took the form of a tiny fly and accompanied his father everywhere. At last, Anansi, feeling hungry, entered his room and closed the door. Next, he took the pot and had a fine meal. Having replaced the pot in its hiding place, he went out, pretending to look for food. As soon as he was safely out of sight, Kweku Sin fetched out the pot and called all his hungry family to come at once. They had a good meal, as good a meal as their father had had, and when they had finished, Mrs. Anansi, to punish her husband, said she would take the pot down to the village and give everybody a meal. This she did, but alas, in working to prepare so much food at one time, the pot grew too hot and melted away. What was to be done now? And Nancy would be so angry. His wife forbade everyone to mention the pot. In a little while, Anansi returned ready for his supper and, as usual, went into his room, carefully shutting the door. He went to the hiding place. It was empty. He looked around in dismay. No pot was to be seen anywhere. Someone must have discovered it. His family must be the culprits. He would find a means to punish them. Saying nothing to anyone about the matter, he waited till morning. As soon as it was light, he started off towards the shore where the old boat lay. Getting into the boat, it started of its own accord and glided swiftly over the water, straight for the palm tree. Anansi attached the boat as before and climbed the tree. This time, unlike the last time, the nuts almost fell into his hands. When he aimed them at the boat, they easily fell into it, not one as before, dropping into the water. He deliberately took them and threw them overboard, immediately jumping after them. As before, he found himself in front of Thunder's cottage, with Thunder waiting to hear his tale. This he told. The old man nodded and listened as before, saying how sorry he was to hear of Anansi's troubles. This time, however, he presented Anansi with a fine stick and told him, Do not worry. This is a magic stick and it will give you just what you need. Again, Anansi thanked the old man profusely and went on his way. He could scarcely wait till he got into the boat, so anxious was he to try the magic properties of his new gift. Stick, stick, he said. What you used to do for your master, do for 
me also. And at once, the stick began to beat him so severely that in a few minutes, he was forced to jump into the water and swim ashore, leaving the boat and the stick to drift away where they pleased. Then he returned homeward, bemoaning his many bruises and wishing he had acted more wisely from the very beginning. Take a journey with Chief Five Heads. Long ago, there once lived a man of great wealth and nobility who had two beautiful daughters. One day, he crossed the river and travelled to a faraway village where a great chief lived. He asked around about the news of the place and was told that the biggest news in their village was that the chief was seeking a wife. So the man went home and said to his two daughters, Do either of you wish to present yourself to be the wife of a chief? The elder daughter replied, Yes, father, I wish to be the wife of a chief. So the father said, Then you, my elder daughter, shall go. It was the tradition in those days for a young woman who wished to marry to assemble a large bridal party to go with her. But the elder girl refused to allow anyone else to go with her. She said, I will go alone to be the wife of the chief, said her father. How can you be so rash? You know very well that when a girl goes to present herself to a husband, she is supposed to be accompanied by others. Do not be foolish, my daughter. Still, the girl said, I will go alone. And so the elder daughter travelled to the faraway village by herself. While she was walking along the path, she met a mouse. And the mouse said, Shall I show you the way? The girl laughed. What? You are mouse. Don't make me laugh. The mouse said, If you act like this, you will not succeed. She scoffed. Since when does a mouse know about what does and does not succeed? Then a little further along, she met a frog. The frog said, Shall I show you the way? The elder daughter said, Ha! First a mouse, and now a frog is going to show me the way. You are not even worthy to speak to me. I am going to be the wife of a chief. Now get out of the way before I kick you, said the frog. Have it your way. I'm out of here. When the girl was tired, she sat down under a tree to rest. 
A boy who was herding some goats nearby came up to her, and he said, Where are you going, eldest sister? Who are you that you should call me your eldest sister? She cried. By tomorrow I will be the wife of the chief. Leave me alone. The boy said, Please, I am very hungry. Won't you offer me some of your food? She answered, Ha! Why should I? Go away! The elder daughter soon met an old woman sitting by a big stone, and the old woman said, I will give you some advice. You will come upon trees that will laugh at you. You must not laugh at them in return. You will see a bag of thick milk. You must not drink from it. You will meet a man who carries his head under his arm. You must not take water from him. The girl answered, You old hag, what nonsense! And she walked further along. Soon she came to a place where there were many trees. The trees laughed at her. And she laughed back at them in return. She saw a bag of thick milk, and she was thirsty, so she drank from it. She met a man carrying his head under his arm, and she took water from him to drink too. She came to the river of the village of the chief. She saw a girl there, dipping water from the river. The girl looked up and said, Where are you going, my sister? said the elder daughter. Why do you think I owe you an explanation? I am going to be the wife of a chief. The girl drawing water was actually the sister of the chief. She said, Wait, let me give you some advice. Do not enter the village by this side. But the elder daughter did not listen to her. Instead, she continued on her way, and she finally reached the village of the chief. The people asked her where she had come from and what she wanted. And she told them, I have come to be the wife of the chief. They thought to themselves, Whoever saw a girl come without a bridal party to be a bride? And they said, The chief is not at home. You must prepare food for him, so that when he comes back in the evening, he may eat his dinner. They gave her millet to grind. She ground it very coarsely, and the bread she made was hard and dry. In the evening she heard the sound of a great wind. The wind was the coming of the chief. The chief took the form of an enormous snake with five heads and eyes as large as plates. This is why he was called Chief Five Heads. The elder daughter was very much frightened when she saw him. He sat down before the door and told her to bring his dinner. She brought him the bread which she had made. 
Chief Five Heads was not satisfied with the bread. He said, You shall not be my wife. He ordered her immediately to return to her home village. After the elder sister returned home, the younger sister said, Father, may I also present myself to be the wife of the chief? The father replied, Very well, daughter, it is right that you too should wish to be a bride. He called all of his friends, and a great bridal party was prepared to accompany her. Along the way, she met a mouse, and the mouse said, Shall I show you the road? The girl replied, If you would show me the road, I would be so grateful. Then the mouse pointed out the way to the road. She came into a valley where she saw an old woman standing by a tree, and the old woman said to her, You will come to a place where two paths branch off. You must take the little path, because if you take the big one, things will not go well for you. The younger daughter replied, Very well, I will take the little path, my mother. She offered the old woman some food and went on. Soon she met a rabbit, and the rabbit said, The village of the chief is not far from here. You will meet a girl by the river. You must speak nicely to her. They will give you millet to grind. You must grind it well. When you see your husband, you must not be afraid. She said, I will do as you suggest, Rabbit. Thank you. At the river, she met the chief sister carrying water. The chief sister said, Where are you going? The younger daughter replied, This is the end of my journey. The chief sister asked, Why have you come? The maiden replied, I am here with a bridal party. The chief sister said, I see. But won't you be afraid when you see your husband? Said the younger daughter, I will not be afraid. The chief sister pointed out the hut in which she should stay. Food was given to the bridal party, and the mother of the chief gave millet to the younger daughter, saying, You must prepare food for the chief. He is not here now, but he will come back in the evening. That night she heard a very strong wind which made the hut shake. The poles fell down, but she did not run out. Then she saw Chief Five Heads coming. Indeed, he was a very large and fearful-looking snake with five heads. He asked for food. The younger daughter handed him the bread which she had made. He was very much pleased with the soft, tasty bread. He said to her, I can tell what happens at all time in this place, for it is I, who was the mouse, and the rabbit, and I was even the old woman. I have seen that you are good and careful and kind. Will you be my wife? Then Chief Five Heads turned into a handsome young man. He took the younger daughter by the hand, and from that day 
they lived in great joy and peace. Let's take a journey with the Watermelon Prince. Many, many years ago, there was a huge storm in Vietnam. Strong winds blew across the land. Palm trees bent down to the ground and the roofs flew off some homes and buildings. The storm was even worse in the ocean. The waves crashed wildly. There was one little boat that was stuck out in the middle of the ocean where it was thrown around in the big waves and suddenly there was an incredibly strong gust of wind and the boat crashed into a big rock. The boat was destroyed and all the people on board died. Everyone except for one little baby. Miraculously, the little baby survived. The baby was in a small basket and the basket floated on the water all through the storm. The waves carried it up onto the beach. The next day, a woman was walking on the beach and she heard the cries of a baby. She looked around and saw the basket with a tiny baby inside. She didn't know what else to do, so she decided to take the baby to the king's palace. When the king heard about this baby that had been miraculously saved from the storm, he was amazed. This must be a very special child, he thought. So the king took the baby into his home and raised the baby like his own son. The king called him Prince Tiem. The king already had a few other children, but this child seemed extra special, so the king always treated him very well. The king seemed to love Prince Tiem even more than his other children. Prince Tiem grew up into a very wise, strong man. The king often asked Prince Tiem for his advice when he made important decisions because Prince Tiem always had good ideas and solutions to problems. When Prince Tiem turned 20 years old, the king arranged for him to get married. The king planned a huge celebration for their wedding. It was a very fancy and expensive wedding with delicious food and beautiful decorations. The king's oldest son became 
very jealous. The king had spent much more money on Prince TM's wedding than on any of his other children's weddings. The oldest son was worried that maybe the king would name Prince TM as his successor when he died. But the oldest son thought that he should be the successor. He was the king's firstborn child. He should be the next king, not Prince TM. So the oldest son made a plan. He paid a large sum of money to some of the king's servants and he told them to spread rumours about Prince Tiem. The servants did what he asked. They started telling people stories, untrue stories about horrible things that Prince Tiem had done. Prince TM is a liar and a cheater, they said. Prince TM is planning to overthrow the king, they said. The rumours spread around the palace and everywhere in the kingdom. Many people heard the stories and they started to believe them. Eventually, the king heard some of these stories. At first, he didn't believe what the people said. How could these things be true about the wonderful Prince Tiam? But after hearing many stories from many different people, the king started to suspect that maybe it was true. The king worried that Prince Tiam might kill him, and so he banished Tiam from the kingdom. The king forced Tiem and his wife to get on a small boat and he pushed the boat out into the ocean. After a few days out at sea, the boat finally came to a small island. Tiem and his wife were sad that they had been banished by the king, but they decided that they could make a new life for themselves on the island. They could still be happy because at least they had each other. On the island, they made a little hut for themselves using tree branches and leaves. They made nets for fishing and they picked bananas off the trees to eat. They figured out how to survive. It was a hard life, although they had good fresh food. They never had any variety in their diet. They only ate the same thing, fish and bananas. Tiem and his wife often dreamed about the wonderful food they used to eat when they lived in the king's palace. One day, after they had been living on the island for several years, Tiem saw a group of birds eating a piece of fruit. The birds were squawking loudly as they fought for the fruit. Tiem looked closer to see what they were fighting over. He had never seen that kind of fruit before. It had a green peel and it was pink on the inside with black seeds. Tiem was curious, so he picked up a handful of the black seeds and he sprinkled them on the ground near their hut. Many months later, the plants started to grow. They looked very strange to Tiem and his wife. They waited and watched as the plants grew. 
The plants got bigger and bigger and bigger, and when they became very large, Tiem and his wife cut one open and tasted the fruit inside. It was delicious. They loved this new fruit. Tiem and his wife were overjoyed because it was the first treat they had eaten in several years. It became their favourite food. Tiem and his wife planted more watermelons and they eagerly ate them all. Now one day, Tiem was sitting on the beach and he looked out at the ocean while he ate a watermelon and he thought about everything that had happened in his life. He took out a knife and he carved his name into the watermelon peel. Then he threw the watermelon into the ocean. I wonder where that peel will end up, he thought. Just like the waves had carried Tiem to safety when he was a baby, so the waves helped him yet again. The waves carried the watermelon back to the kingdom of Vietnam. One of the king's servants saw the fruit on the beach and he brought it to the king. The king had never seen this kind of fruit before, but he tasted it. It was delicious. Then the king looked closely at the peel and he saw the name Tiem written on it. The king was overjoyed. A few years after he had banished Prince Tiem, he regretted his decision. He missed Tiem and wanted him back again. But the king figured Tiem had probably died a long time ago. And now, now he had hoped that Tiem was still alive. The king sent his servants out in the ocean in the direction where the watermelon had come from. He sent them to look for Tiem. Two weeks later, the boat returned to the kingdom with Tiem and his wife. Tiem and the king were happily reunited and Tiem had brought watermelon seeds with him from the island so all the people of Vietnam could enjoy this wonderful new fruit. And many years later, Tiem became the king of Vietnam and he ruled wisely until the end of his days. I hope you enjoyed that special omnibus edition of Journey with Story. And if you're looking for some ideas for further follow-up activities, maybe you can discuss what the story souvenir was for each story. Remember, the story souvenir is just that little glimmer of truth about what it means to be human and live in this world. Maybe you can make a drawing of your favourite episode and send it to me on Instagram at Journey with Story or on our website. Oh, and another activity that a lot of mums have shared with me their kids like to do is after listening to an episode a few times, children like to act it out. So you could get your brothers or your sisters or your friends together and put on a little play for your mums and dads to lighten their day. 
Oh, and mums and dads, you can get some other ideas for activities and storytelling resources from me if you sign up for my newsletter at www.journeywithstory.com. And if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you can enjoy even more perks and resources. Here's to stories aplenty that fill our hearts with grace and goodness, hope and light, so that we remember, as my favourite poet says, All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Be well, my friends, be well, and join me next time for Journey with Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas.